Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Would you believe it's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guide, Brett White. I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com, and this week I am joined by one of my old collaborators from Left Adam Radio, Adam Bozarth. Hello, Adam. Hello, Brett. How are you? What up? Not much. I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to talk a, briefly a bit about the old podcast that has uh, clawed its way out of the iTunes grave. Yeah, I mean, pod <laughs> fade goes both ways, you know. Yeah. It fades out and it fades in again, and uh, we've been happy to do it. It's It's been a lot of fun kind of reconnecting with uh, uh, doing all this stuff and also not writing as much material beforehand and just... Doing a lot more improvised material. It's uh, yeah. a, a lot of fun just capturing that lightning in a bottle and, and, and turning that into stuff. So it's it's fun kind of getting in a new direction now. For those that um, aren't familiar, Left Hand Radio is a sketch. It was the very first audio sketch I podcast. Believe, yeah, I believe so. That's what I'm going to say. I mean, but like also maybe, right? I mean, well, when was the first episode released? 2010? October 2010. 2010. 2010, 2009, 2010? October 2010, yeah. We, okay, uh, wow. Yeah. But, I mean, we didn't invent it, but we really perfected it? Well, now you see a bunch of other, there are a whole lot of these things out there now. The audio sketch podcast is a thing. Well, no, it's a great idea. Yeah. It's old radio <laughs> plays, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It's- it's a lot, and it's a lot of fun to do. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, uh, I can't believe we got away with it for as long as we did without anybody kind of crowding us. I mean, there's obviously there's like Super Ego, and um, there's also a Canadian sketch group called the Sunday Service, which did a very similar kind of thing. But, but yeah, now we're trying to just do material, and uh, one thing we've been doing is trying to go back into the archive and uh, reinventing stuff and and making animation and things for Instagram, so uh, definitely follow us on Instagram if you want to know what we're about. Uh, You can see some clips of our show as well as some little animated pieces. Is that LH... Wait, is it just left-handed radio on Instagram? Yes, left-handed radio on Instagram. Got that domain (laughs) handle. Got that handle. Well, I never we, did no, we did not secure Instagram.com. 
<laughs> if we did, I don't think I'd be working this hard on sketch comedy for podcasts. Yeah. Uh, but you know who does work hard? <laughs> Spies. Spies. <laughs> this week, we're traveling to September 18th, 1965. Once a thief ruled the box office, help by the Beatles topped the charts, and NBC aired the Get Smart pilot titled Mr. Big. Adam, you must have seen Mr. Big before today. Well... Yeah, I did. I did. I uh, checked it out because uh, the entire collection's on iTunes, which I had no idea. I wanted yeah. to. I wanted to download. I thought about downloading like the first season to try to watch that to get a little bit more familiar with things. But um, it was like thirty six episodes. Yeah, it's long. a lot. Well. So a couple of weeks, like a couple of months ago, iTunes had a sale where every season of Get Smart was five bucks. Whoa. And so I bought all of it because yeah. it's it, it, I think it averaged out to like a dime an episode or something crazy like that. And I was like, I have like I can't pass this up. And it stayed that way for like a week. But now it's back to like twenty dollars a season, which, again, twenty dollars is a lot of money of our generation, which is used to like stealing everything or getting everything on streaming. We're not yeah, used to paying yeah, for yeah. things. But I'm also like, well, twenty dollars <clears throat> for, I don't know, twenty six episodes of television is insane. It's yeah. So and cheap. it's. And it's really it's it's well well crafted too, which uh, is one thing that like I wasn't expecting that from the from the pilot was like how well directed it was. Yeah, what is your history with Get Smart? So that was definitely one of those shows that was always in reruns when I was a kid with cable in the yeah. midwest and it, it was, was a nick like, at night show for me definitely. definitely a nick at night show and i think it sometimes would air on like sunday mornings sometimes on like usa network or mm, tnt yeah, or something that. like that you know I, I i mean if not that then something like that you know well, um, and we also grew up in the age of like the get smart reunions because there was what get smart again i remember that tv movie happening mm-hmm and I was, like, all into watching that TV movie. And then, as I discovered today, there was a sequel series in 1995. Uh, yes, that, with that Andy Dick. That starred Andy Dick as their son. Ugh. Which, oh boy. Yeah, that... Glad, yeah. glad that didn't go anywhere. But that would have also ruined news radio if, if that had gone. So, like, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, easy come, easy go, I guess. Um <laughs> It was also, um, Maxwell Smart was just one of those uh, pop culture figures that was just in the house, sort of, you yeah. know, like, it was a voice that my dad would do every once in a while, you know, do just all, you know, would you believe two cops in a rowboat? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun to do. And it, The old know. something trick. <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. Well, he also was the voice of Inspector Gadget, which was like the other pillar of... That too, yeah. You know... Pre pre kindergarten like spy stuff that I watch because like, like get smart, very smart show, but it's also if you watch anything other than the pilot, it's a very colorful show. Yes, with a lot of like fun special effects. So I think I watched that show from as young as I can remember, like that and the Batman sixty six, very similar. Yeah. Oh yes. So 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 similar. Like there's a little bit more of like a. Uh, like a self-awareness in Get Smart, though, that's, like, played straight in Batman. Yeah. Batman's just a free-willing weirdo time. Everybody's committing so hard in Batman, but there's a little bit of a wink in, in yeah. Get Smart. But, yeah, that's sort of like, like you mentioned, the pilot 
is in black and white. It's not like that's something that was a little disappointing for me for revisiting was like it is such a colorful and outlandish show. And so to see like this sort of scaled down pilot version of it was kind of strange. Yeah. So this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're going to be talking about the Get Smart episode, Mr. Big. It is the first episode of season one and was written by Drumroll, Mel Brooks and Buck Henry and directed by Howard Morris. Here is how iTunes describes the episode. Maxwell Smart takes on a villain who threatens NYC with a device called the Inthermo. Adam, how accurate is that description? It's very accurate. That's That's exactly what happens, and it's very (laughs) simple. iTunes just gets right to the point. So the episode, like the very the start of the series, as we said, is in black and white, which is so odd to see. It's only this one episode, Mm -hmm. uh, and this is fall '65, so like things were definitely making the jump to color at this time. I guess maybe you shoot things in black and white for a pilot because it was probably cheaper. Yeah, totally. I think so. It yeah. seemed like it was cheap. Like, there's also just a few shots that kind of belay sort of the like the cheap production of it. Yeah, there's a real run and gun style to it in a weird way for a kind of for a '60s sitcom. It honestly feels like they are on location with a handheld at times. Oh yeah, I mean, like there's just there's things about it that kind of remind me of an old mst3k movie because yeah. like like yeah. the laboratory they go to is clearly the paramount lot in in hollywood yeah. it's no doesn't look anything like new york city like they're on a boat that's supposed to be out at sea in the new york harbor but it's just clearly still stuck in the dock somewhere yeah. you know and <laughs> but in also Marine like Del those Rey. shots it's really cool to see, like, there are some shots of, like, you know, from, like, down low or, like, up high of, like, Maxwell Smartness suit on this garbage dinghy. And it's, like, this is, <laughs> it's weirdly cinematic in a strange way. Yeah. All those, like, really, like, the pull-in close-ups and and all of those other things. Like, it's very tightly shot, I think, yeah. you know, because of the cheapness. But it gives it a weird like cinematic quality that it wasn't expecting no yeah so the the very first shot of the entire series is like the capitol building in dc and it's like a very like voiceover yeah uh, a very serious voiceover of like this is washington dc somewhere in this city is the headquarters of a top secret organization known as control its business is counter espionage and we go to uh we catch up with maxwell smart in like a symphony is like at a concert, a show. Yeah, the symphony. You yeah. seeing the symphony orchestra is like the world's first cell phone gag. Yeah, <laughs> which I realize watching us now of like, oh man, cell phones just make so much of this obsolete. Or like, it's because the whole the whole big joke is all of a sudden everyone hears a telephone ringing, which nowadays like that is a thing. Yeah, like the the lead up is like his whole the whole premise of his job is to be discreet and unrecognizable. And then all of a sudden an old bake light telephone starts ringing and everybody starts looking at him and he just gets up and walks out of the, yeah, it's like, like that must've been outlandishly funny. Yeah. And it's still it. Like the fact that he goes and he locks himself in a closet to answer the phone and he takes off his shoe and his phone is, a, it, the shoe is a phone. His phone yeah. is a shoe, which is still like, I mean, that's one of the most iconic visuals of the entire series. With a uh, rotary dial. Yeah, with a rotary dial. A little flip-out thing that he talks into. Yeah, there's those... That's the thing that I liked about Get Smart that I thought seemed absent from the from the Steve Carell movie, which I wasn't mm. 
interested in was that there's there's like that sort of impracticality and yeah. mon- the mundanity of it. Like when he goes in to see the head of control and he punches in. Yeah, he like an old time clock. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it there's just that kind of those little touches to it where it just seems like this doesn't seem like it's a glamorous job. This actually seems like it stinks to do this. Well, yeah, even um when he talked when he's talking to Chief, Chief is like, you know, we assign things in our in like a certain order. And it's just like it's your turn. Yeah. Is the only reason that he's getting this job. <laughs> so he answers the phone and it's like, you gotta come quickly, like chaos, whatever. He gets locked. Um when he finally gets out, this is a really funny gag of he gets into his car. And then he, like, he doesn't peel out, but he, like, cool, like, drives the convertible around, and then it yeah. circles back around, and then parks, parallel parks on the other side of the street. Very books in. <laughs> and then we get the opening. So the opening is one of the most iconic openings of a TV show ever, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a. Uh, do you think this is where Mystery Science Theater got their opening from? Oh, totally. I mean, the idea of them going through those those doors, like, I think that they, they said that they got that idea from initially from get smart like that yeah. series of doors just it, it there's that that uh, that that feeling of separation that it creates yeah obviously i mean but like as soon as i watch it even like in black and white you just go like oh yeah that's where they saw that from <laughs> yeah and that the theme song is so good the music throughout this entire thing just like stepping back to talk about the music it's all mm-hmm. very is it's really scored like this is a very spy score yeah. Um, when was the first James Bond movie? That's something I should have looked up beforehand. What was the What was the first James Bond movie? Doctor it was. No. Uh, it was Doctor James, No. Doctor in No. Nineteen sixty-two. Okay. Yeah. So, because this does seem like this is very much a part of the big spy wave of the sixties. Oh yeah. Um, and it's really interesting because they're really like pulling in. It's so interesting how that genre, like, crystallized really quickly. Because if Dr. No happened in, you know, 62, then like three years later, it's like these are all the same tropes that we still see in spy things today. Like Alias did all this stuff. You know, there's the gadget section. There's like the undercover section. There's the we got captured section. Austin Powers did all this. What are the current spy things? I never watched the Americans. Did the Americans uh, have shoe phones yeah no i I don't know i didn't watch the americans (laughs) but it is interesting to me that like the spy genre just like hit so hard and so fast and everyone kind of just decided yeah this is what it is and then get smarts like cool we're gonna just tear it apart every week and it worked yeah that everybody had enough familiarity with that stuff that they could make those jokes it's wild so we get to we yeah. get to see one of the big. Um, well, he gets the mission first, I guess, which is a very yeah. elaborate pun of a uh, yes. Dante's in Thermo. Yes, <laughs> yes, Dante's in Thermo. So there's Hugo Dante, a mad. This is like a mad scientist from Long Island. I like that he's also like from Long Island. It makes me wonder what was Long Island like in the '60s, because we know what Long Island is like now. Like, I think it's about the same, I guess. There's still, like, just, Long Island mediums. Yeah, I guess they, they just, yeah. But the, the eventually, like, they get, it's just he's a very stereotypical Germanic accent as soon as he shows up at the, the very end. Yeah, he's Hugo Dante, and he's being held, yeah. held by ransom by Mr. Big, uh, not the late 80s, early 90s hair metal band. And, and not well, not the same Mr. Big from uh, Sex, Sex and the City, City and either. not Mr. Bigglesworth from Austin Powers. 
No. Uh, he's being held for ransom for $100 million, which is, like, that's still steep today. I thought it was a, it's a million dollars. Oh, I thought it was $100 million. Was it $100 million or $1 oh, million? It's just, I think it's just a million. Okay, well then, if it's a million, he's then holding it's... the world If hand. it's a million, then it's the Austin Powers joke of $1 million. One. Exactly, yeah. How much exactly. did you love Austin Powers? How much did I love Austin Powers? I definitely... That was one of those movies that got rewatched a lot on DVD. Yeah. You know, and then um, the second movie I was, like, super excited for and didn't watch as many times. Eh, I think I only watched Goldmember once and was like, okay. <laughs> we got it. It just seems like we're okay. going to be talking a lot about Austin Powers inadvertently in this because these are, like, the two big spy parodies. Um, in like Flint didn't really stick around. No, yeah, they only did two of those, yeah. right? So, and I don't really know what his thing was, other than it was just supposed to be kind of yeah. funny. Uh, then we get the one of the big gags of the entire series. We get the cone of silence. How much do you know about chaos? What did you say, sir? <laughs> what? Chaos. Oh, chaos. Yes, of course. Well, that's an international criminal organization that was founded... Oh, I think in 1957. How's that? <laughs> what? 57. Agent 57 is in Hong Kong. <laughs> Hong Kong. What about Hong Kong? What? Hong Kong. Why are we talking about Hong Kong? <laughs> like right there. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. At the top. The, don't they do that every episode? I think episode? they do it every episode. I mean, like... There, so there, there are like, what, three jokes that become every single episode jokes. So there's yeah. the cone of silence. And then there's, like, the old blank trick. He said, yep. like, that's one of his catchphrases. And then also the, like, would you believe seven? Would you believe six? Would you believe two cops in a rowboat? <laughs> Does Agent 34 show up? Yeah, Agent 34 is hanging out in the locker. Yeah, I, I mean, like, oh. he, does he show up in the rest I don't of the know, series? Is he, so who was Laramie? Laramie? Wasn't there a guy named Laramie? <laughs> this is the thing. I don't know if Agent 34 does, but there is... There, I feel like there is a recurring gag of a spy who uh, is... He's just always in the... In compromising yeah, positions. In, yeah, I forget. Yeah. So, the Cone of Silence bit is exactly what it sounds like. They dropped down the Cone of Silence, which is just... This is another like mystery science theatery kind of thing, because it's just like a weird plexiglass bubble... Yeah. Like, it's not even airtight. Like, I don't even know how it would work, actually. I, mean, I don't know how it's supposed to work. I don't know its intended purpose. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really don't get how the, the even how in fiction it's supposed to work. And it works too well because they can't hear. They yeah, can hear I like other. how it's all warped, though, and you can see, like, their faces get all warped through the yeah. plexiglass. It's such a great, fun goofy shot yeah which adds a little bit to this like kind of you know c c plus joke of <laughs> you know like what <laughs> well this so yeah this was written by mel brooks and buck henry um so the, i honestly like mel brooks's filmography is actually kind of a blank for me up until like robin hood men in tights i've seen men in tights oh my god that might be the only one i've seen yeah, I think, well, yeah, unless you saw Dracula Dead and Loving It, I think, you know... My dad wanted to see it, but I, we did not. Your dad wanted <laughs> to see it. Uh, so, did Mel Brooks and... Were Mel Brooks and Buck Henry writing partners? This is the... I think this is... 
then the, no, they they never really, to my knowledge, I mean, they really never worked on anything together. Probably like if they were maybe staffed in the same room on some yeah. show, but I am not uncertain how they came together to work on this. Other than they probably were both pitching spy comedies at the same time. <laughs> you two work on and this. maybe got yeah got together to work on it. I mean, this is definitely like before Brooks's film career takes yeah, I mean, off. Yeah, this is this is very early. And this is like, I know Buck Henry from just being, like, he hosted SNL, what, 20 times or something in the first five years? Yeah, he was constantly on, and he played like, he, he it, yeah. that was, That's a better time of SNL, when you would get, like, weird actor-writers like Buck Henry to constantly be yeah. on the show. <laughs> now it's like Rachel Brosnahan is going to host the first episode back in 2019. It's like, we had Buck Henry 30 years ago. Uh, he also played Liz Lemon's dad on 30 Rock, so newer people might know him from that role. Um, and he also wrote a uh, bad movie called First Family uh, in from 1980, which starred Bob Newhart as the president. Um... Oh, God, what's-her-face uh, from Clue? Oh, Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn as the first lady and Gilda Radner as their daughter. Ooh. And oh, it's oh. an amazing cast, and it's just uh, doesn't really uh, hang together. You can, rent that, you can sure. rent that on iTunes, as I, of course, have. This is also after the this comes uh, get smart comes after brooks won an academy award oh wow um i yeah i bet you didn't know this he won a short subject academy award for uh, a a short film he did called uh the critic which um if you've never seen it before definitely like uh it's on youtube for free oh. it's very short um it's it's very short and simple, and if you've ne- <laughs> you know if you've never seen any of Brooks's work, it's pretty much it's pretty much this. It's a comedy, um, like a comedy it, short, won an Oscar. Yeah, wow. so it like very like not to give too much of it away. It when it begins, it looks like it's going to be this sort of abstract, surreal, artistic piece. Yeah. You know, that's going to be, like, really surreal, not surreal, but sort of, like, quaint and musical and pleasant. And then all of a sudden you just hear, like, Brooks in, like, his very heavy Brooklyn accent, like, What is this? Was this a shape? Uh, The thing? You got two things on screen? (laughs) This is the story of two things, I guess. You know, it just so, you know, like you just he he's commenting on on this, you know, what's supposed to be a very serious cinematic experience. That is amazing. That won an Oscar. That's yeah. great. <laughs> it's I I think that is how it's how he has an egot. Yeah, I was wondering that if he, is yeah. The, Damn. I think yeah. So yeah, so he wins an Oscar and then he jumps right to NBC's Get Smart. But they don't stick around. Like neither of them become the showrunners of Get Smart. I don't believe. No, no, I don't think um, so at all. I don't think they ever write on it ever again either. Yeah. So after the cone of silence is when we get the meeting. Uh, we are introduced to K thirteen, aka Fang, <laughs> who is I wrote down. He's just a big dumb dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're expecting yeah, yeah. like a German Shepherd or like something like kind of like sleek. But he's just he like... He looks like a Labradoodle. Yeah, he's just like a big, fluffy, kind of like dopey-looking dog. Uh-huh. Uh, 
and I love him. So that's when uh, he's going to, to the train station to meet with uh, Agent 99, who he's told he'll be able to identify because 99 will know the secret code, which is Mets win a doubleheader. Or did you see the Mets win a doubleheader? Such a Mel Brooks joke. Yeah. <laughs> and so the next, the, you like slam cut to a guy reading the newspaper at the station. And it just says the headline is Mets win doubleheader. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a juxtaposition of like uh, Maxwell being like, ah, like that'll never happen. Then slam. It did. Which leads to a really funny... Uh, a kid reads that headline, and so Max thinks that this child is possibly Agent 99. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know who to expect, so... <laughs> yeah, and so he walks over, and he's like, New York Mets win doubleheader. <laughs> Any new developments from chaos? It's <laughs> about Dante and the Inthermo. Are you 99? No, I'm six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, it's, a uh, Yeah, it's pretty good. I think... The thing that I think about Mel Brooks is, like, these style of jokes, but, like, 30 a minute. Um, They're not so rapid fire. Sometimes you take a break to do a a musical number. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, Robin Hood Men in Tights is very much that style. Uh, I like that that is my reference for Mel Brooks as Robin Hood Men in Tights. Definitely everyone's favorite movie of his. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, A chew. Yeah. But I think everyone, like, that's what I always think of him. So it's, you get that in this episode of Get Smart, but it's also just paced like a 1960s episode of television. So it, like, it takes its time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost unnecessarily slowed down for some reason. So then we get 99, like, 99 comes and gives the, like, the Mets won a doubleheader. I heard the score was 99 to 86. And then we meet 99, mm-hmm. who is dressed like a car driver. Yeah, she look she's. Yeah, she's dressed like in a in a an old time sort of like livery driver sort of yeah outfit, but selling the hell out yeah, of it. Yeah, but it's also got like a mod sort of cut yeah. to it too. Like it's definitely not from like the uniform store. It's like a go go inspired like <laughs> a limousine driver. It's like she can make that. Honestly, Barbara Feldon is just. I mean, she is one of the most iconic uh, fashion characters of television history period yeah and that's such <laughs> a like... weird it's such a great sort of like additional like uh thing to like check out for this show is like it is actually like very beautiful and visually interesting to look at like not yeah. just be it's not just funny but like you know everybody's dressed really well and like it's always styled really well like not just costumes but also like the art direction for the for the thing going forward Unfortunately, like, yeah. a lot of it's lost in black and white in the, the thing, you know. <laughs> Although I did notice, like, so, like, also I want to talk about, like, Maxwell is wearing, I wrote down, like, I loved his suit. It's a very, like, sleek early 60s suit. Mm-hmm. It's a three-piece suit, but the vest is, uh, the vest is double-breasted. And it's, like, it fits him really well. I'm, like, I want that suit. I, I can imagine it's probably, like, a nice, like, really clear, sharp blue. Like, a, maybe, like, a deep, dark, sharp blue. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Like, I loved it. <laughs> um... But I also like pointing out that, um, so when Mary Tyler Moore started doing the Mary Tyler Moore show, they, they were like trying to figure out well, what is this character going to dress like? And then she was like, well, we're going to go all out and we're going to, can't remember what her name is and I should have looked it up, but the same woman that dressed Barbara Feldon on Get Smart also dressed Samantha Stevens on Bewitched and then went to do Mary Richards on Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, nice. 
Which is like crazy because like those are the three like if we're gonna talk about like three mid century mod uh, like clothing icons like it's those three characters and she did all three of them and I should have written down her name, but I did not so anyway uh, when they hook when they meet up they Maxwell's immediately like oh look in look look in the reflection of my cuff like there's a chaos agent over there so he enacts his plan which is his plan is to go over to the lockers where Agent Thirty Four is just inside. Yeah, and it's like he says, like let's we must enact uh, our plan, and the plan is plan Y seven plan. <laughs> the plan is uh, ninety nine and eighty six just walk out, and as the chaos agent walks behind them, the agent thirty four in the locker just opens up the door and slam smacks him in the head, and then and then drags him in from yeah. <laughs> from beneath, <laughs> and that's it. That's the entire plan. <laughs> it's a great plan. It's a great setup. I mean, hey, it worked. But you have to wonder, what is 34's day like? Yeah, I know, too. And, like, the, the, the gag starts with, at the very, like, when he's, when, when Max is talking to Chief and says, like, I'm going to grab my, you know, my specs, my locker key, and my Beretta. And then, like, <laughs> and the thing is, like, <laughs> I'm going to use my locker key and goes over and there's just, 34's just right there. And it's just so startling. And it's so funny. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, he must have to just be positioned there, not just for 86, but for any other control agents in the New York City area. Yeah, there's just like a lot. Of, it's a big, it's the meeting spot of all of them. That's, a, that's another part of that sort of like the mundanity of the job of like, sometimes you travel around and you meet up with like the really you know the 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 cool looking uh a lady uh spy in the go-go outfit and other times you're <laughs> stuck in the penn station lockers <laughs> waiting for Which, somebody uh, to open up the door it'd be really great if there was an episode where it's like i'm on locker duty and the entire episode is just max I mean, maybe there is one i have not seen every episode of get smart and if i have it's been 20 years if they had to do 36 a season and they did five seasons yeah it happened eventually so then they travel to crave haven labs in long island where um they meet i also love the name crave haven crave haven yeah why that definitely sounds like a bur like a hip burger like an organic burger place Oh yeah, oh I'm. I'd love to hit up Crave Haven after this. <laughs> I, I'm really. I'm actually getting pretty hungry, and I would love to go to Crave Haven. Crave Haven's fries are really good. They have like garlic on them. <laughs> I'm craving them. <laughs> I, I crave the Haven. Um, so they go there, and they find uh, his laboratory assistant, who is of course evil. Yeah, they don't find that out immediately, but she does like a mug to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> a very evil mug a to the camera. Neon lights like I am evil. <laughs> Fang finds a rubber banana peel, which leads them to the novelty company. The, the South yeah, Street South Novelty Street Company. Novelty Inc. Um Inc. so I like that they leave the lab by they're like trying to get out there in a hurry, and Maxwell and Fang jump into the back seat and they don't get the door closed in time. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's the, the speed of the car is too too much for him <laughs> to shut it. And so then, like, there's, like, this quick montage of 99 driving this big car with the door open. And you can see, like, an actor, maybe Diane Adams. Who knows? It might uh, might be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, budget back then. Also, like, insurance and stunts. They probably just did whatever they wanted. Uh, like, and then as soon as he finally gets the door closed is when they get there. And so he has to open it back up again and get out. <laughs> Which is, again, like, a little weird joke. It's funny, but it's super funny, too, because yeah. he plays it. He's not, like... 
to me, like, I feel like if you, in my imagination, I feel like now if you do that joke, like, whoever the actor is is screaming, like, oh, God, stop, like, let me close the, you know, like. It, They're calling more attention to it. Yeah, it's Probably. almost funnier to see him, like, holding on, like, grimacing through it, and as soon as it shuts, it's like, all right, that's done. We can move yeah. on now. <laughs> Which has the very, the tone of this show is very, much you know, like you said, the mundanity of it. Like, there's kind of almost nothing remarkable about anything there. Like, it's so, yeah, like, of course the door didn't shut. That's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I like the unflappability of the whole thing, too. Like, yeah. That, that sort of, like, it's all kind of, it is terrible, but, like, he's not doesn't ever seem to be phased and there's some it's interesting with like james bond when like yeah like he's doing the impossible but like it's also just kind of hysterical when it's just this these dumb little things that like should shouldn't take down a spy you know like a door that can't get shut (laughs) so they go into the novelty shop this is where we meet one of the bad guys who is just a tall creepy adam drivery looking dude (laughs) oh my god yeah he did look like adam driver yeah he's got like very pronounced long features he had a very very modern-y sort of like hipsterish beard too yeah yeah he's trying to so like they have the enthermo ray like across the street and he is he with chalk he marks where he needs to get uh get maxwell smart to stand so he'll get blessed by the enthermo ray so then Maxwell comes in and he like it shows him something. I can't remember what he shows him. But he's oh, like got he, Yeah, he <laughs> wants to find receipts for rubber bananas. Yeah. And so he's got he's got that and he's like he he full on like grabs Maxwell and like moves his entire body to stand on top of those chalk marks. Yeah. But then Fang does his job because he I guess he senses the enthermal ray starting up. Mm-hmm. And he like jumps and like gets Maxwell out of the way. And then Adam Driver gets knocked in or, like, stumbles. <laughs> and then he gets straight up disintegrated. Yeah, it's a little... Like, this sequence was a little clumsy to me because I feel like the whoever... Like, that big giant actor, whoever he was, just didn't seem like that great of a physical actor. <laughs> you know? And it felt well, I mean, like a very physical sort of comedy meat to play with. Yeah. It's, it is also weird. I th- will say, I think this is the very first sitcom I've done on this podcast where someone gets disintegrated. <laughs> that didn't happen during Golden it. Girls? <laughs> no, Golden Girls, I mean, Alf probably can't. Alf will probably come close at some point, but uh, <laughs> Golden Girls didn't happen. Green Acres. I can also see it happening on Green Acres, but it didn't happen in that episode. But yeah, I mean, it's like, and it's also, there's like smoke and like, there's not even ash left. Like, he's just gone. The Enthermal yeah. Ray just like obliterated all of his atoms. Yeah. This is All an episode with too. a high body count. Yeah, yeah. With uh, well, how many people have died? Just the one on screen. Just him, but then later that entire boat blows up. But most of the henchmen have been knocked off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at this point, I do. At this point is where. So now the guy is wearing a hat this whole time. Oh so yeah. So Maxwell asks, like, "Are you okay?" And she like is taking off her hat because she's just like I don't know, takes off her hat. She just takes off her hat. Her hair falls down, and she has, like, a a very mod, like, bob. Like, yeah. bangs on a bob or whatever. Um, and then this is when uh, Maxwell's like, you're a girl. I did not know. Right. And then they immediately almost kiss. Yeah, yeah. It, that's, <laughs> like, the thing that felt very 1960s about this whole thing. Yeah. But I also wonder if that is... I could also see that being a comment on just how easily James Bond gets, like, every woman. 
Totally, yeah. Like, it's immediate, like, they are making out. And so as soon as he realizes, oh, you're a woman, well, gotta kiss. Yeah, it also feels very, like, tacked on for, um, you know, like, what this pilot must have been, which was just a bunch of jokes, you know, about spy work. I guess you get have to have like the femme fatale or the 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 bond girl character show up at some point but yeah this yeah thankfully it lasts this m- moment lasts for like a like five seconds and then yeah, it's, it's over. very short and it's never brought back ever like in the rest of the episode at least no and they because they do eventually become an item right but that's like a slow burn thing uh i've seen like i think every single episode has a near miss kiss with the two of them I think yeah. like I've seen like the first five, uh, and it's I mean, it's a running gag. When they eventually get married, you never find out Agent Ninety Nine's name either. I do believe. Well, she's a good agent. That's why <laughs> she's actually a good agent. Yeah, she's staying undercover. <laughs> yeah. So this is where they realize that the rubber banana peel is coming from a like a dinghy like ship outside a garbage ship, but there are no seagulls because all the garbage is plastic and rubber. Mm-hmm. Which, fake is, garbage. which is a cam- camouflage. The old fake garbage trick. Yeah. <laughs> so they go out to the boat, and this is where, like, I mean, for me, anytime a show goes on a boat, I'm like, the production value is going up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, shooting on a boat has to be a nightmare. And if you choose to shoot on a boat, like, okay, you are wanting me to notice that. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what I mean. Like, I, it's that's what I think. Um, yeah, it's definitely production value. Yeah. And so they go there, they meet Mr. Big, who is, of course, a little person. Yes. Uh, and, and, and he has a, uh, an office, uh, you know, a beautiful oaken office in the lower quarters of this very small, uh, yeah. <laughs> skip boat. Yeah, it's a very elaborate headquarters. It's definitely, yeah, that's definitely like a TARDIS type situation. <laughs> like bigger on the, um, and so he gets them like almost captured. And like, this is where Maxwell's other famous line of, you see, the moment I suspected there was something wrong with this old scow, I immediately telephoned headquarters. And I happen to know that at this very minute, seven Coast Guard cutters are converging on this boat. Would you believe it? Seven. I find that pretty hard to believe. Would you believe six? (laughs) I don't think so. How about two cops on a rowboat? (laughs) Very good. It's a very good joke. Very funny. Yeah, he delivers it very well. Did what were Inspector Gadgets' catchphrases? Go go gadget catchphrase. Yeah, go go gadget catchphrase. Um and Go Go Gadget um, Reaganomics. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he had many uh, well, you know, let me look. Well, Dr. Claw's catchphrase was... Oh, he would say wowzers. Oh, wowzers, okay. Wowzers. And he did not fight the agents of chaos. He fought, he fought the agents of mad. Ah. Uh. And, yeah. I think that's it. I think wowzers and go-go gadget. And Inspector Gadget is always on duty. Okay. And, um, yeah. I think Maxwell Smart is a better agent than... Inspector Gadget, by far. Is, well, who does Inspector Gadget work for? I don't, I mean, he works for, there's another chief who's always in a trash can and it always explodes. Yeah, I mean. I know that. And then his niece is Penny, who has that 
what's essentially an iPad. Exactly, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, she has an iPad. And it solves, it saves the world every time. So, of course, Mr. Big ties up 86 and 99, but uh, after the guards leave, woo, Maxwell Smart was wearing his inflato coat, so they actually tied up two inflatable hands. It's not what I thought the inflato coat gag was going to be at all. No, that I wrote down inflato coat, and then when that gag happened, I was like, but that can't be the inflato coat, because an inflato coat would be like a coat you wear that when you fall in the water, you... And it Inflate, turns or like he's gonna he's gonna activate it now, and he's gonna like you know push them all off the boat, or right. you know push them out of the way, or whatever. I don't know, or fly away. No, didn't expect it to just be two <laughs> two, just rubber two rubber hands. Rocks. Maybe the inflato coat. Maybe it's a multi-purpose inflato coat. I guess. I guess, and I guess maybe that's why he was so reluctant to take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize though that he did use all three items that he asked for because he oh, uses yeah. the the god the glasses to look at the look. I guess that's also how you would write a script. Well, it's like, yeah, it's the classic sort of thing of you know make sure you go back and they pick them up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we get uh, uh then we get a boat fight, and I could just talk for oh, an hour this about boat fight. I could talk for an hour about mid-60s action sequences, because Batman is filled with these kind of things, and I yes. just love them. Yes. I just love... We are so used to nowadays with the very tight, close-up, like, quick-cut, like, martial arts, like, everyone flipping all around each other. There's something very weirdly satisfying about just seeing a whole bunch of middle-aged people just in a wide shot throwing, like, haymakers and, like, really bad judo chops. A comedy fight is really funny to watch. And this one has probably one of my favorite gags in a comedy fight that I've ever seen was the guy who's already hurt, who's aiming to, like, fall off the boat, and Max just gets out of his way and then pats him on the back. Yeah. (laughs) And then he tips over. Yeah, and then he just falls in. Like that's it's so great that they like it started look it started out looking like a very lazy comedy fight and it got even lazier. <laughs> well, there's also a moment where a guy has a baseball bat and then Maxwell grabs it and then they do the old like that baseball bat game where you like put your hand like you grab it on top of each other and then when they get to the top Maxwell just punches him. Which is, again, like, that's a very Perfect. Batman-y fight move as well. It's a, it's a Bugs Bunny move. Yeah, it's very Bugs Bunny. <laughs> I also like, there's a moment where, so 99 is, of course, fighting the female uh, evil villainess. And so they're, like, tussling in the garbage. And it's very much like a uh, like a Dynasty water fountain fight. Like, yeah. they've got each other pinned. And they're like, there's no punches being thrown. They're just, like, rolling around. And so she yells, Maxwell, help! From off camera, but then when you see her again, they're both standing up and 99 just punches the woman off the boat. <laughs> Which again is just kind of like, okay, whatever goes. Yeah, yeah. It's a pilot. Yeah. I lo- but well, So there's a moment where they're, when the two of them and the doctor and Fang are all climbing up out from the bottom of the boat. Yeah. When Maxwell gets out... It's a really, like, it's from, it's a shot from on high, and you're seeing, like, Don Adams, a nice, like, he's a pretty, like, handsome, cool-looking dude for mm. being a comedian, you know? Uh, but he's getting out, and he's in, like, this luxe, like, three-piece suit on a garbage boat holding a big gun, and it's like, this looks really cool. Yeah. 
but then it then, then it goes into comedy fight and it's like well that's what get smart is it's like it's beautiful looking and then comedy fight this is where we find out that um dr hugo dante set the enthermal ray to explode whenever anyone used it no, he's he he like, he uh, rigs it to backfire. Right. So instead of it destroying the Statue of Liberty, um, it's going to just explode the boat. And he forgot to tell everybody about that before they got off the boat. <laughs> no, it happens. So they get off the boat and then it just blows up. So the body count two, two. Yeah. Because do you think that that? I mean, that explosion probably didn't affect all the people in the water. They're probably fine. No, they were also dressed in in like frogmen scuba gear anyway, so they definitely yeah. were able to swim to safety without any like hindrance as long as they're strong swimmers. Yeah. So then the episode ends uh, with them on the boat, and Maxwell calls the chief to check in, and he gives like a whole speech. Smart here, Maxwell Smart. Mission accomplished. Professor Dante rescued. Chaos destroyed. And I take great pride in saying that the forces of evil have once again been foiled in their attempt to extinguish the torch of liberty. That? Oh, sorry. Wrong number. Pretty good. Obviously. Pretty but then good. we have to talk about the end credits, because the end credits are as iconic as the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Because it's also like, the it show opens with all the doors opening, it show ends with all the doors closing... Mm-hmm. except for the final one which delays a bit and so maxwell walks up to check on it and then it closes and closes on his nose it almost looks like he's trying to walk back through it and ah. doesn't notice that it's coming because like that's the gag that always kind of i never really got because it's just like if he's checking on the door certainly he's watching the door but yeah that's lo- the thing <laughs> but why would he be walking through a door if it's already closed? But, like, he does a very good job of acting like it closed on his nose. That's all yeah. I know. Don Adams, he's a genius. Uh, are you ready for some must-have facts about this episode of television? Sure, hit me. <laughs> Ooh. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So the ratings for Get Smart, it's very, as I've said on the podcast, it is impossible for me to find weekly episodic ratings for old TV shows, uh, which sucks because that's the information I crave. But for the season, um, 
The rating for the show was 24.5 million viewers. Wow. For the 65 to 66 season, so that's a shit ton. Jeez. It ranked number 12 for the season, though. Uh, the top five shows of the 1965-66 season are Batman. So this yeah. is very on brand. <laughs> Biggest very show time. in the world at that time. Yep. Uh, four was the Red Skelton Hour. <laughs> Three was the Lucy Show. Two was Gomer Pyle USMC. And number one was Bonanza. So it's always weird to see, like, the outlier... Like get like get smart has something in common with Batman, but it has very little in common with like the rest of those. Yeah, and you're seeing like in the mid '60s, what's popular is still like variety shows and westerns, and that's not going to change until like the late '60s, early '70s. Lucy's still on TV. Yeah, that's her. I think that that's her second show. The Lucy show was her second one with Mr. Mooney. Yeah. Where um where she is in well the first half she works in like a like a rural bank or something but then the bank moves to Hollywood in like season three so they get a bunch of guest stars <laughs> you know like banks do yeah she, yeah the they transfer to the big Hollywood, Hollywood bank <laughs> yeah <laughs> the bank moved to Hollywood good news everyone we're closing this branch. I know, I know you all live here, but we're opening up a new branch in Hollywood. So the NBC Saturday Night lineup that this aired as part of... Yes. Also crazy. So started with Flipper, then I Dream of Jeannie, then Get Smart, and then NBC Saturday Night at the Movies. Would they just re- rerun movies on Saturday Night at the Movies? Or was it, was it yeah, TV Yeah, it was movies? a mix... It was a mix of, I think it was a mix of TV movies and then, like, movie movies. Okay. But, it, like, those are three wildly ridiculous but incompatible shows. Like, I don't know. I mean, well, I Dream of Genie's also very colorful and goofy and... Yeah, 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 that's true. Like, Flipper, I Dream of Genie, and Get Smart are three shows that are, like, premise. I don't know what the fuck is going on with Flipper in this list. <laughs> Flipper didn't talk. Wait, no. Flipper was Lassie but a dolphin. Yeah, Flipper's just Lassie with a dolphin. And it's like, like and like, I I can't name a human from Lass, from Flipper or Lassie. No. Well, I mean, Timmy. Timmy, but that's just a character. But yeah. I can't even name a character from Flipper except Flipper. No. Uh, June Lockhart was on Lassie, so that's a big deal. And um, John Provost. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Lassie every day as a kid. Uh, that show is on for like 20 years. Um, so this particular episode is the only black and white episode, as we've discussed, that's mm-hmm. ever of Get Smart Ever. Um, it was nominated for the Outstanding Writing Emmy, though. So this specific episode, but it lost to uh, the Dick Van Dyke Show episode, Coast to Coast Big Mouth, which is one of the funniest episodes of all time. So that makes sense. I want to check. The Dick Van Dyke Show? Yeah. Wow. This, I, this yeah. started... At the very end of Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah, well... Dick Van Dyke Season 5 and Get Smart Season 1 overlapped. Um, Coast to Coast Big Mouth was written by... doop 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 doo Trying to see. It was, it was written by Bill Persky and Sam Denoff, but Carl Reiner is a major part in it. Because Laura, Laura goes on a TV game show and blabs that Carl Reiner's character, um, Alan Brady, wears a toupee. Yeah. And so it's funny that they're like... 
Carl Reiner's episode beat out Mel Brooks's episode. <laughs> Didn't affect their friendship. So on the uh, Bob Newhart front, because there always has to be. Yes. Um, Tom Poston, yeah. one of Bob Newhart's BFFs and sidekick on the 80s sitcom Newhart, almost played Maxwell Smart. That would have been a completely different show. Totally different. Completely um, different. So when it was it was being developed at ABC apparently, and Tom Poston was attached, but then when it didn't get picked up, NBC wanted it and they wanted Don Adams specifically. So Tom Poston is a goofball. Like he yeah. also the thing about Don Adams is Don Adams looks like a spy could look. Sort of. I mean, the first episode he definitely looks like a stand up comedian. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he almost looks like yeah. friends of ours, and then they like kind of. You know, zhuzh him up, and he looks more like a spy uh, yeah. in the color episodes. But, like, yeah, I can't imagine Tom Poston having any sort of sexual chemistry with Barbara no. Felton at all. I mean, Tom Poston is, like, a bigger Don Knotts, in a way. Yeah. Like, he's got the same kind of, like, big buggy eyes. He's just, like, taller, and he's, like, a thicker, he's, like, a fuller man. He's a fuller man. Um, that's weird. <laughs> but it is weird to think it's weird to think of Tom Poston as being that. Um, but I don't know, young Tom Poston. This is also you know twenty years before Newhart, so maybe yeah, younger Tom Poston. Yeah, I feel like Poston. if they were like, oh yeah, it's going to be Stephen Wright as Maxwell Smart. <laughs> so on IMDb, uh, two hundred and forty users rated this episode an eight point two out of ten. Do you think that's right on the money? Should it go be higher or lower? What would you give it? I don't know. I guess so. It's hard to tell with internet ratings, you know. I mean, everybody's, like, voting on how much they loved it from back then, right? You know, yeah. but, like... Also, I would say 240 users is kind of a lot for... I guess so, what yeah. I, so, like, usually, so, like, the That Girl episode had 36 users. Um, <laughs> well, the uh, Will and Grace episode did had 256 Okay. So this is on par with how many episodes, uh, how many people are voting on Will and Grace. So, that's so these pretty... are like people who are just like, I have to review every television yeah. show. I love Get Smart. Must hop on the message boards. Not, not even I love Get Smart. I must make TV thing. Must watch TV. Must. Uh, it's. <laughs> I don't. It's I, good. Yeah. It's point... good, but it's hard to tell how good it is because of like. We are so immersed in this sense of humor now, and that, and and every like all of the innovation in it is not new to us. So I can't see it through right. that lens, unfortunately. But like, it's 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 well acted, and it's more well directed than I thought it was going to be. And even for it being in black and white, it was a lot of fun to watch. And it definitely, I think, except for that weird moment with with the the hat with 99's hat and and, yeah. and and max noticing her like that's the only thing that doesn't work yeah you know and it's so it makes me definitely want to like dip back in and rewatch it as is just something that like maybe to refresh my memory and and see if it still holds up you know yeah that's what i i do think that like so i mean i would probably give this episode like a seven something just because i right. think that it's a good start but i think that it gets a whole lot better um i also wanted to point out i forgot to point this out that uh the episode directed by howard morris who himself was an actor who was on a shit ton of things but he's mostly known for at least to me by being Ernest uh t bass on the andy griffith show <laughs> 
who I think was wow. the town drunk, right? Like, that's it's, crazy. It's, that's the other thing about sixties tell the sixties television landscape is like it's like thirty five people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh this is what he just did that week. That's amazing. And it's and it's 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 well directed. Yeah. It's a well directed piece of television and, and and there's just stuff that is going on in it that like you probably wouldn't be expecting, you know, filmmaking wise. He was also the voice of Jughead on the sixties Archie cartoon, and he was the <laughs> voice of cousin Ambrose on the seventies Sabrina cartoon. So yeah, he uh, yeah, he was all over the place. Um Yeah. Yeah. So uh who would you say out of this episode had the must see performance? Oh god, I don't know. Well, Fang was great. Um <laughs> Fang. Bar I don't know. I mean, like Barbara Felton definitely she definitely stands out because Don Adams while he's really funny and 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 definitely is suited for this character, he's not comfortable in it yet. Yeah. You know, and he's definitely he's good at a slow burn and you can definitely appreciate all of that and and everybody is is fantastic in it, but like, you know, you can see why they wanted Barbara Felton immediately. Like she's just easy to watch on screen and she gets like exactly what the tone of this show is. So like I, I if if anything it's just to kind of see where where, you know, this iconic character begins. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'll go on and give it to Fang. <laughs> yes, Fang. I don't know, Fang's great. Fang's a stand. I like when Fang is trying to get out of the. He's trying to get. They're trying to push a real dog through that trap door on the boat, and there's a moment where like the dog is like ah, <laughs> like yeah. his arms kind of splay out, and they have to like pull this big. He's a big dog. He's definitely being supported from the bottom yeah. to get <laughs> to get out of there. He's like, "Come on, guys, we gotta hurry. We're losing our light." <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, must other people see this episode? Uh, well, I mean, it's definitely worth checking out. I don't know if you should, uh, you know, with everything that you can watch on television these days, Oof. you know. But, like, if you like old television and you want to, you know, check something out that is, is fa- I think, foundational to television comedy. Oh, definitely. You know. Also, if you're Definitely a big Mel Brooks and Buck Henry fan, Mel yeah, Brooks it's fan. worth checking out. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen it until um, until I watched it for this because um, I've seen other episodes of Get Smart, but I yeah. had not seen this one, and it really does feel like the template episode. I do think if, I think you don't must need to see this one, but I will say you probably must need to see like a season three episode. I am at like I wish I was super well versed and get smart so I could pick out like this is the one to watch. But I yeah. I bet that by season three or four, like is when you're probably gonna see like the show is, you know, probably quicker paced, colorful, characters are more developed. Like I think it's definitely, definitely, definitely worth checking out like a mid mid episode, mid season mid series episode. Yeah. I think this is what's nice about Get Smart is that it's from an era of television where you can literally watch any episode yeah. of it and you'll be fine yeah. and that is something that i do miss about tv yep you know i do remember uh, so like it's crazy that i did so even with these kind of shows as a kid i did try to watch them like we watch tv now because i remember as a kid being very very invested in the relationship between major nelson and genie 
and like <laughs> being like, when are they going to get married? Oh, like, and I remember when, when Nick and I just like ran the wedding episode in their normal rotation, like without fanfare, I remember freaking out. Like it was a big deal for me. Because <laughs> I was like, finally, <laughs> I'm seeing the wedding. And I think that also maybe <laughs> I have a vague memory that I think oh, might be man. a real memory. I don't know. It's like one of those like brain spinning tricks on you. But I feel like I always wanted to watch the Get Smart Uh-oh. wedding episode because I was dying I to know what that right name Brad. was. And I figured they have to say her name at the wedding episode. And so I think also trying to catch the Get Smart wedding episode was a big deal for me as a kid. And now I don't know if there really was one or if they saved that for the movie or I don't know. Anyway, jump in wherever, people. <laughs> Thank you for coming on and talking about Get Smart with me. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for <laughs> uh, giving me incentive to uh, revisit the show and check it out. Well, yeah, and maybe it'll inspire you to like write more spy stuff, because we always need more spy comedy. Yeah, there's so much spy stuff that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, need more um, more gadgets that are preposterous and don't do what their name <laughs> implies. I wonder what real spies watch for entertainment. Def- I mean, Top Chef? Yeah, probably Top Chef. Have you been to the Have you been to the Spy Museum in DC? No, no, I didn't get to go when I was in DC. That so I went and I was shocked to see that all of this shit is kind of real, right? Like they actually had like cigarettes that are guns and stuff like that, which is insane. <laughs> that like in 1960 they're like, yeah, we can fit a gun in a pack of cigarettes. Like what? Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I highly suggest this podcast is totally sponsored by the Spy Museum. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Where can people follow you on the internet or talk to you about Get Smart or check out all of your junks? Well, I am on various social media platforms at Adam Bozarth. um, And you can follow uh, Left Handed Radio on Instagram and SoundCloud and Twitter and various other places at Left Handed Radio. Um, that's uh, where you can find all the good stuff. And any other news be on my social stuff? And yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, until next time, I'll. I don't have a sign off. So I don't know where I was going with that. I'll holler at you later. Stay tuned. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, Adam Bozarth, for dropping by and talking about Get Smart with me this week. Next time, I'll be discussing the Designing Women episode, Grand Slam Thank You, Ma'am. Grand Slam Thank You, Ma'am is in Season 1. This is Episode 21, Designing Women Season 1, and you can purchase that up on DVD because it's not streaming anywhere which is a true shame until then I want to hear from all of you tweet your questions about sitcoms to at must have seen TV you can also follow the podcast on Twitter Instagram Facebook and Tumblr at, at must have seen TV if you like what you've heard please rate and review must have seen TV in Apple podcasts follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett white read the words that I write at decider.com. The theme song is Apollo Throwdown by The Go Team. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening. And I'll see you next week on Must Have Seen TV. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.